So we've been in this series called All In. By the way, anybody missed the casket this week? You do? I can go get it real quickly if you like. We had some things going on here this weekend and they got removed, but uh, still no one in it right now. So that's good, right? Are you here? That's good, right? We've been in this series called All In, and we've been talking about this concept that God calls us not to partial obedience or partial commitment, but to complete, complete obedience, complete commitment to him. And we looked at these um, stories throughout Scripture. We started the first week with Jonathan and his armor bearer and them attacking the Philistines, even when the odds were remarkably against them because they said, if we do what we know God has already called us to do, perhaps, maybe there's a chance he'll show up. We talked about that kind of faith that depends on God, even in the most uh, insane circumstances. Then we talked about this uh, amazing moment in Scripture when the father is called by God to sacrifice his son. And the scripture says that immediately the next day he got up and he went to do it. And last week we talked about this concept of showing complete love to one another and that Jesus did that by bending down and washing the feet of these men who were much inferior to him. As I was thinking through this concept of all in and what it entails and what it means and thinking about kind of the state of our church in these moments. I was drawn to a passage of scripture in the book of Acts. Chapter four. Now, you tell me what happens at the beginning of the book of Acts. What happens with Jesus at the beginning of the book of Acts? He leaves, right? He ascends to the Father right before them. And before He ascends, He gives them this kind of marching orders. He gives them what we take as marching orders for our church even, which is that we are called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so He gives those marching orders to them and they go out. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the first truly Christian sermon. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. And he preaches about Jesus and Jesus rising from the grave even though they killed Him. And then he calls a response and 3,000 respond in that day. And the church is born in a whirlwind of activity. At the end of Acts chapter 2, it tells us that they got together on a daily basis. And they shared scripture and they prayed and they talked and they went through all of those things. And then in Acts chapter 3 and 4... The people in Jerusalem start noticing, wait a minute, that guy we killed, his followers are causing a scene. So they identify a couple of them as leaders and they arrest them and they bring them before everybody. And they say, you got to stop talking about this Jesus. And they say, you do what you've got to do, but we're going to talk about him. And so Acts chapter 1 through four, it's really the birth of the church, the beginning of the church. It, it is this place where we see the idealistic understanding of what the church ought to be about. And so when it mentions things in here about the church, we ought to stand up and take notice. For instance, in Acts chapter two, when it says they devoted themselves to the teaching, that that means that biblical understanding and teaching ought to be a major component of what we do in the church. Amen. 
When it says they devoted themselves to prayer, then it means that prayer ought to be a major part of our life and the church and that we ought to be praying for one another, lifting one another up. When it says they were serving one another, that they were coming together, that we shouldn't forget, forgo the coming together in this place of God's people in order to meet together. That fellowship is an important part of that. When it talks about breaking the bread, that means like what we did last week with celebrating the Lord's Supper and remembering the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection ought to be a vital part of what we do. That what happens at the beginning of an organization or a group, or in this case, a movement of God, can teach us things to sustain it even 2,000 years later. In Acts chapter 4, before we kind of launch into some more of the story, it's almost like they pause and say, just a quick reminder of what was going on. Verse 32. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Now, let me just stop right there. I I say this every time I read this because we're we're from Baptist tradition. Right. How many many of you here are are Baptist born and bred? All right. That's most of us in this room. All right. You realize the miraculous nature of that statement, right? The multitude. Of those who believe. Now, how many is the multitude here? Well, all I know is they had 3,000 the first day and they kept adding every day. I, I, I've been in a Baptist church in a, in a, for a long time. Like, you know, 38 years. I've pastored a Baptist church of Ripley and here now for almost 13 years. In all those years, on important votes... I've never had 100%. Never. Now, now, part of that I could say, there's just some of you that are contrarian. And the word no is the only one you know, right? So when you read, now a multitude of those who believed were of one heart and soul. It is a miraculous nature. It is unity that they have and it is unity that we ought to seek. But I want you to see how they obtain that unity. Because it gives us the example immediately after that or the reason or the cause. It said, and no one, no one. You know what that means in the original language, right? No one. Not a contrarian in the bunch. Said that any of his possessions were his own. Instead, they held everything in common. And here's the result. Look what it says in the next verse. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. For verse 34, in case we miss the reason for that. See, see, we think that's because the Holy Spirit came and and he had. We, We think it's because of powerful preaching and perhaps. But the scripture here tells us it's because of their generosity that the word of God is being proclaimed in a mighty way. Look what it says in verse 34. For there was not. This is the reason. So it tells us beforehand, they shared all the possessions. Nobody thought it was their own, but instead they held everything in common. So they're preaching with great power. Verse 34, for there were not needy among them because all of those who owned houses or land sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. Now, here's something that I'm going to say. It's biblical, but that doesn't mean it's palatable. 
Jesus said it often, and the church proves it here, that if you want to test how committed you are to something, find out how you give your money. Right? I know you don't want to say right, because you love your money. And I like mine too. And that is the issue. Now, I made a confession here last week about a certain fan base of basketball. And I really thought that was going to be like the reverse jinx that made them lose quickly. And they're still playing. There are people today figuring out how much they can sell in order to get to Dallas, Texas for a basketball game. Now, you, you, you know I'm right, right? I mean, people that said, well, if they make it, I, or people that were there, they don't have, well, I've got to figure out how to get there. I mean, you ought to be able to get there. there you know, have you seen where they're playing? It's monstrous. But because they love Big Blue Nation so much, money isn't a factor. And here's the truth about the first century church. They loved Jesus and each other enough that money didn't matter. Well, how much? Well, they sold everything they had. And they just brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. How much did they sell? All of it. Their house. Their equipment. Their clothing. You want to talk about all in. That's all in. What I love about the first church and what you see over and over again is the question that they continually ask themselves is how much can I give, not what do I have to give? And I'm not just talking financially, I'm talking about a lot of areas, but financially was obvious. In fact, some of you know this. Do you know what the story is that's immediately after this? There's about two people that sell some property, right? Then they lie about how much they give and what happens to them. The dead. That's how seriously they took it. Now, was the issue the amount of money they brought before the church? Well, only in the fact that it revealed their heart that they were trying to show something they were not. Aren't you glad we don't ever give with impure motives? Or hold back some things that we ought to dedicate to the Lord? Here's what I'm glad about. I'm glad about the fact that that was a one-time story in Acts. Amen? We're in the midst of this campaign called All In. And here's what I want to do for the rest of our time today. If you're a guest with us, this is a little different for us. And uh, we're just going to have a conversation about the church and what moving forward and, and what's happening. We've been having these dessert uh, receptions and they've been amazing. You know what I have, I have found out some interesting things about people in our church. For instance, I did not know that people used to cruise Shoney's. Anybody, anybody here ever cruise Shoney's? You know, look at that. That's been revealed to me. There were love connections aplenty made at the cruising of the Shoney's. I even heard a story about a deputy dog that used to make sure you only got three turns around it. Now, I, I, I'm not, that's before my time, right? So I've learned some interesting things about our church and people in our church, how they that now that, that by the way, that that initial information was volunteered to us when I was just asking general questions. And somebody told us about the love connection they made at cruising the Shoney's. Right. 
that forged a relationship that's been around, and they're squirming right now, hoping I will not say their names. All right, thinking about the love connection has been made for years, decades, cruising. Right. We've learned about things that people love about our church. We've learned about when people came to the church. And, um, you know, one of my favorite things happened last Sunday night. We, we, one of our newer couples, in fact, a couple that hasn't even been here, uh, been here right out a year. Family that's come and been a part of our church and actively involved in our church and came out of a situation where they, they were not going to the church at, the t- at, a, at a church at all when they started visiting here. And so I'm asking the question, what do you like about First Baptist? What do you love about First Baptist? And, and the husband says, I love about First Baptist that it has a past. That I can see people that have been here for, and Mr. Jerry Garrett and Miss Jill Garrett happened to be in that meeting. And Mr. Jerry just said he had been here for 70 plus years. He said, I love the fact that I can have a conversation with someone that's been here 70 years. That I can see people that were knew the people that helped start this work. He said, I love the fact that this church has a past. He said, but I also love the fact that this church has a future. And what we're talking about in this all-in campaign is what the future for First Baptist looks like. And honestly, the people in this room have been a significant part, a vital part, many of you, to the history and the past. And it is a proud heritage of working for Jesus Christ in Goodlettsville, Tennessee, and the surrounding area from this church. And I am proud to be the pastor of a church with such a great tradition. But I also see an unbelievable future of potential that is there. So why are we doing an all-in campaign? Well, first of all, four years ago, we did this Yes, Lord campaign. And we've talked about this for a minute. I'm not going to talk about it a lot. But you committed four years ago to give towards a remodeling project that we didn't have really an idea what that was at that time. But we knew it was coming and some things that would happen. And you committed as a church body and you gave faithfully. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but in church circles, if you get 75% of a capital campaign, it is considered a success. In our case, we got 90%. That's, that's good. Amen? And so that's been an amazing four years. In the midst of that, because of your faithful giving, we were able to do the remodeling project. So part of the reason we're here is because we did remodeling. But as happens in remodeling, there were unexpected things that came up. Surprises. For instance, we started the, to do the work and they told us, oh, you've got a roof that'll be good for 10 years. Now, let me just say that the Building and Grounds Committee told us that was not true. But these contractors said it'll be true. 10 years, you've got 10 years more on that roof. We started the construction and the contractors came back and said, you've got about a year on that roof. You've got to have a new roof. And you know what? When they say you've got to have a new roof, guess what you have to have? You've got to have a new roof. And guess what new roofs cost? Money. Lots of money. We, we still didn't have the original warranty on that roof we built. It had been on there a little while. So, you know, $75,000? Roof. We, we went downstairs and... Started tearing out because we could not find original plans for this building. I guess 50 years later, the plans were just not here. 
So we started looking and we found these poles in the middle of our children's area that were hidden in the walls. And we start looking around and we figure out what in the world is that for? And they say, oh, those support the balcony. If you tear those down, the balcony comes down. So we had to kind of work around that, right? I mean, right now the homes and Bobby Fentress and our sound and media crew and the Hodges that faithfully sit up there every week are glad we, we still have that. We got, into, we got into wiring stuff and the security system was completely outdated, couldn't be used, no wires could be used in it. So it had to come out here in this sanctuary we found out through a study that they did that it was, according to the engineer, the worst room he had ever been in for sound. How many of you remember that room? I do, because every Sunday I'd have people come out there. I'm sure it was good today, Pastor. I couldn't hear a word of it. One, because I wasn't talking loudly. One, because we couldn't get it loud enough. We couldn't understand it. And so they said to fix that, you've got to spend more than you thought. So just letting you know, there were lots of things that came up. And as a result, we end up spending a little more than we intended to spend. Now, percentage-wise, it's about in line or a little less than what construction projects overshoots are, but it still costs us a little more. And because of that, we also have some unfinished business. There's some stuff that was intended to be a part of this that never got done. And so, the Yes, Lord campaign has ended. Its three-year commitment was up a year ago. People are still giving... Some people to it faithfully, but it's time to reassess. So what are the priorities kind of moving forward? You think, all right, what are our priorities? Well, here are our priorities when it comes to money that would be coming in from the all-in. First of all, number one priority is to reduce the debt. The number two priority is to reduce the debt. The number three priority is to reduce the debt. You ever heard the real estate Right? It's location, 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 right? Well, the, the priorities for us as a congregation, as I see it. Now, the congregation could vote to do whatever we wanted to do after the commitment. But my, what I see is we have been obligated. We voted to do the remodeling knowing that that would incur debt and that we would have to pay that debt off over a 10-year period. We are in that 10-year period. We have to fulfill our obligations. Amen? That's what we have to do. So what are we talking about debt-wise? Well, here's what we're talking about debt-wise. Two sets of debts. One, there's bank debt that's 795000 And there's individual debt. Some of you remember that when those unexpected things came up, we came back to the church and said, we don't want to go back to the bank and borrow money. And we offered a thing for individuals within the church to give money. And we would pay interest, which we have quarterly, to those. And those were five-year notes. And we owe 200000 to individuals. Now, just to let you know, those still have three years on them. At the end of three years, the church has not kind of decided, we have not decided how to move forward with that, whether we are going to allow people to roll those over. I mean, obviously, if people want them back, we need to make a way for that to happen. But maybe roll them over or new people to come in. All of that is still out there. But I'm just giving you a picture. Okay. Now, now with that on the screen, let me talk about the overall financial picture of the church. Uh, let me just tell you that, and you can look on your order of worship today, that after the first quarter of the year, this is the closest we've been to budget in any time I can remember. Amen? Okay? That, that, first of all, let me just say this. That doesn't mean stop giving to the budget. 
Okay, I know how some people are. Well, they don't even need it anymore. They got all they need. No, no, no. All right. You continue to faithfully give and we have seen increases in that. We've seen things happen. In fact, let me just tell you that from my perspective, the church is as an is at. I'll get it out in a minute is as in good a financial shape if we have been in several years. Now, that comes from several areas. First of all, it's because of a finance committee that has been very faithful to doing the job that the church has asked them to do. In the transition, Steve Scott, uh, finance committee chairman for several years, has rolled off and Kathy Decker has come on and they're continuing that process of looking at it, making sure it's exactly what we need. Secondly, the staff of this church, your staff, has done a remarkable job of doing everything they can to keep the cost down. And thirdly, people have been faithful to give. And so when I looked at the quarterly report that uh, Jana Brooks, our financial secretary, did for us uh, on Monday and Tuesday after the quarter ended last Monday, we have more in the checking account than we have had in several years. Every bill is paid in current and future bills are paid. The designated fund is fully funded. The maintenance account is fully funded. We are doing better than we've done in a long, long time. Amen? Now, there were meetings two or three years ago when we could not share that news. And so we still have this debt out there. And I know, listen, I understand. Some people are very uncomfortable with debt. I'm not real comfortable with it myself. We don't have major debt in my family. We just committed to that. And for Susan and I, at the age we're at, with the children we have, that's unusual. So I understand this was a church that didn't have debt for a long, long time. And and people are a little uncomfortable with that. And and some people are like, we've got to get that down. And I want to get that down as quickly as we can. But let me just tell you that in today's world, it is difficult to find a growing church that doesn't have some debt. Because the moment you stop thinking about what you need to do for the future. Your future starts looking a little less bright. And so after reducing the debt, reducing the debt, hear my heart, that is what we're going to do. If we, if we do uh, a commitment Sunday and it comes back and the only money that's going to come in over the next three years will service the debt, then guess what gets done? Nothing but the debt. But there are some other things that we would like to see happen. Here are some other priorities. Children's walls. Downstairs, in that area that is directly underneath us, if you haven't been down there lately, it is filled with activity. This weekend, the youth did their glow weekend down there. We have birthday parties down there. We have women's events down there. We have funeral grief meals down there. We are using that room all the time. It's being used a lot like it was when it was the fellowship hall of this church. And part of the original plan was to put in these sturdy, movable walls so we could create classrooms back there. Let me tell you the reason for that. Our children's program is growing. In fact, in the last year and a half since we finished downstairs, we have almost doubled in attendance in our children's ministries. Now, here's what I find interesting about that and encouraging about that. The other night we had our little, we've had our meetings, our dessert fellowships. Do you know what the number one answer for people, how they ended up at First Baptist Goodlettsville is? 
because my kids wanted to go there or I look for a place for my kids. We are a place right now where people are looking and bringing kids. When we did the remodeling down there, we had lots of classes combined. And so, for instance, we combined our second and third grade classroom because there weren't enough kids in second and third grade to justify having their own individual Sunday school classes. Well, now we can't fit them in the room. Right, Jim and Sherry, teachers over here, 16, 17 is what they're having in second and third grade in a room designed for 10, 11. Well, the walls allow us to build new classrooms Tear them down, do away with them, have them up, have two, three, four classrooms, any of that down there. That's something that was intended for the first remodeling and got pulled out when we needed a roof. We had to deal with the walls, the security. Secondly is the security. We have inadequate security in this building. Now, don't go tell everybody in town that. Can we agree to that? We don't have what we need at all. We need to improve that. God has gifted us with an amazing facility, and we need to be good stewards of it, and part of that is security. Foyer furnishings. I know that we, we, one of the things that got pulled out was any money funding for foyer furnishings, for places to sit. And we've made shift with some things, but we really need to have more things out there. And then... Lastly is the attic. I mentioned that downstairs has doubled as well as over the last three years, our youth group is doubled. Under Jeff Kelly's leadership, who's doing an amazing job with them, it is continuing to grow. And I don't know if you've been to the attic lately, but it is not. You got to put this delicately, right? It's not the model of what you want a youth area to look like. And we're not talking about a lot of stuff up there, but just some simple improvements, all done in-house by people that we have here to do it. Now, people say, so what would you do first? It depends on who you ask. If you ask Jerry and... Jerry, that's y'all's, that's y'all's name together, Sherry and Jim. We just combine them into Jerry, all right? If you ask Jim and Sherry, they're going to tell you we need those walls up and we need them yesterday. In fact, we have a first grade classroom and a fifth and sixth grade classroom basically sharing the same spot. And the fifth, I mean the fourth and fifth grade classroom class, they get. You ever had first graders and fourth and fifth graders talking over each other? So they go out in the hallway or down the hall in order to deal. Last week we had. Um, illness happened, and so first, second, and third grade were together, and all they did was put them in the big room, because that's the only place we have. If you talk to the people that work here on a regular basis and the building and grounds committee, then security is a major issue. If you talk to many of you, you, you know that you've requested and, and need some furnishings for the foyer. If you go talk to Jeff Kelly and his workers and the 70-plus people that were down there this weekend... We need the attic to have something done with it. Now, the truth is, if we don't get enough money to do them all, then we'll have to figure out the priorities. But I'm telling you, it's not an easy task. So what are we talking about over the next three years? Thank you all for sticking with me for a minute. Here we go. To service the debt over the next three years, we need $360,000. Okay? 
Now, obviously, these are numbers rounded off. If you ask me to the penny, it may be a little more than that or a little less, but $360,000 over the next three years. The improvements that we talked about total by our estimates, and we haven't gotten full bids on them. We've had conversations and discussions. Uh, I'll tell you this, that many companies are a little hesitant to give bids to churches because you know what they realize? Churches take a long time to do stuff. And so we've had discussions and talked with them somewhere around $100,000. Now, here's what I'll tell you about those numbers. Those are big numbers. Amen? If they're not, we can have a discussion. If they're not big to you, we can, you can take care of them real quickly, all right? But here's what I, I, I have discovered. We have about 200 families, units, attending right now. Now, they're not all here on the same Sunday, because if they were, our numbers would be a little more. That's about 200. If all 200 of them gave $50 a month for three years, do you have any idea what that would equal? $360,000. Now, I know that for some people, $50 is a lot. But for many of us, $50 is not a significant sacrifice. I mean, with me and my four kids, it's a meal at O'Charlie's once a month. If everybody in those 200 gave $100 extra a month, then you've got $720,000. We can service the debt real well, and we can do what we need to do. Just to tell you from my heart as a pastor, my goal in the next three years is not to pay off the debt. If, If that happens, praise be to God, and let's keep moving forward. My goal is to see the church of Jesus Christ at First Baptist Goodlettsville do what he has called us to do. And I have no doubt that if we, like the people in Acts, do everything we can to go all in, that there's nothing that can stop us from seeing it happen. So what's next? Here's what's next. Next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. We still have dessert receptions this week. I'd love for you to come and be a part of that. It has been, you can ask people that have been, we have had a great time. You'll hear some of this information again. You can ask questions in there. Let people ask any kind of thing they would like to. But next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. So during both services next Sunday, we will have a moment where you can bring forth commitments. As you walk out today, you're going to receive two things, or you should receive two things. First of all is a card that says All In Campaign. And it is your commitment card. All I'm asking you to do is to take this home this week, pray about it, talk to your family about it, have a discussion about it, and make a commitment. Some of you says, I don't know what three years will have, so I can't make a three-year commitment, but I have a significant gift I can give next week. Then that's part of this. Some of you say, all I can do is 50 a month, and I'll do that faithfully. Then mark that on here. Listen, it's not about the amount on the card. It's about the heart that's behind it and the calling that God has put on you. You fill this out and you bring it back with you next week. And when the time comes, you bring it and you put it at the front. Now, I'll just tell you, in my mind, my dream scenario was that we were going to have the casket out here and everybody's going to put it in the casket. And I have been informed that some people would not be making commitments if that were the case. So we're not going to do that, all right? Is that okay with y'all? I can bring the casket out. It's it's here, all right? So we'll lay our commitments on the stage. Also, you'll receive when you go out 
just a four-day devotional. I'm asking you starting tomorrow and then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to take some time building up to thinking about and praying about your commitment to walk through this. It's four days. There are questions there. some scripture to read. It's not a huge time commitment. Each day is one page. Okay? And then to pray together as a family and come back next week ready to participate. After that, after Commitment Sunday, we will take the commitments, we'll take the offerings that come in, and we will ask the question, what do we do with that? And so the Yes, Lord Committee that has turned into the All-In Committee that you have voted on as a congregation, the Finance Committee, the Building and Grounds Committee, we'll all get together and we'll say, this is what we need to happen. Here's the truth. We don't have to vote to pay the debt. Right? Because we've got to pay the debt. And so if we just get commitments next week and it comes in at $362,000, there may not be another time to come back as a church and vote on anything. My, my prayer is that that's not what we see. And here's the truth. If the people of this church do what God's called them to do, all of us do it, that's not what we'll see. Now, before we do any kind of improvements or move forward in any way, the church has to vote to do it. So before we buy the walls for downstairs or do the security system or before we do foyer kind of stuff or before we do anything to the attic, the church says go forward. So we're not going to just take the money and run with it. They're going to be come back to the church. So that's it in a nutshell. I've said this for the last couple of weeks. I'm as excited today as I've ever been for the future of First Baptist Goodlettsville. I, I am so excited to be your pastor. I am so privileged to be your pastor. And I think we have an amazing opportunity before us. Part of the reason that I believe that opportunity is coming before us is because of the way we were faithful to respond yes to the Lord over the last two or three years. And so the question is, will we continue to do that or are we going to say, no, 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 that's enough. I have no doubt in my mind that under the direction of the Lord, this is a God-sized task that we are willing and able to do. But it requires us all to be in. And so I'm going to ask you this week not to sit down and figure out what we can give. I want you to sit down this week and ask the question, what does God intend for us to give? And those are two different questions. I'm going to ask you to faithfully respond to that. Let's pray together.